When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Captain's Run, and it's great to have your company this morning. Lots of footy news around concussions on our radar in this final hour as well, and a bit of racing. But the countdown is well and truly on for the start of the second Ashes Test. How could it not be? The resumption of hostilities takes place at Lords in five days' time after the most incredible of openers at Edgebaston. The BBC's BT Sports and SEN Cricket's Daniel Norcross was there. Of course, Daniel also happens to be on one of the best-named podcasts I've heard out there, No Ducks Given. Daniel, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's, it's a delight to be with you. I've got to say, I, and I think I speak for the entire SEN audience here who love their cricket, we are loving the coverage. So we are indebted to you and what the team is doing over there. Geez, you brought it to life and to colour so spectacularly. Well, it was, I mean, it was easy to do, let's be brutally honest with you, because it was an unbelievably magnificent match. Um, it was curious, actually, because the pitch was so un-English that all the players, all the Australian players, who don't thrive in England, thrive there. Usman Khawaja, you know, had a fantastic game. His most un-English pitch you've ever seen in your life. Pat Cummins, the hero at the end. Uh, he also contributed importantly in the first innings. He's had terrible troubles in England. There, he was great. The guys who do really well in England, Marnus Labashain, Steve Smith, mm. they all failed. So it was like the entire narrative of what we were watching had been turned upside down. Um, and then the end was so spectacular, wasn't it? Um the pitch defeated England, without a doubt. I think a couple of things defeated them. Having a finger spinner without a finger, having a captain <laughs> without a knee, having uh, a wicketkeeper without any hands. <laughs> and, uh, some of those, I, I, so to go toe-to-toe to Australia, lose the same number of wickets for one run fewer, they'll feel, I think, strangely uh, confident because Australia are the world champions and England lost 4-0 on Australia. Uh, the whole baseball thing is very exciting. It's a great way of making us all feel like we've got a chance. But we didn't really believe it. And actually, that game has given England an enormous amount of belief and English fans an enormous amount of belief that they could get that close to Australia with uh, two opening bowlers on Zimmer frames. Uh, and as I say, all the other impediments I have. And, and an opening batter who's only less, left eight balls out of 720, yep. which isn't a great idea to do when Pat Cummins is bowling at you. Hey, I love the glass half full approach, Daniel. And I'm going to come back to all of those things. But for now, I want you to set the scene for us over there. How would how would you describe the mood of the English cricket family, as I would call it, as we all draw breath? So is it like you? Is there optimism? Or was it deflating in the end, given, gee, for a large portion of that final day, it looked like they were going to get themselves home? It's despair. Um, there's no doubt about it. Because actually, having got to with it, got eight wickets down with fifty odd and still needs to win. That was England's game. But I don't think England fans genuinely believed that they were going to bowl Australia out on that pitch in the first innings. I mean, Jim Maxwell was in the box next door to me and was telling me that they're going to score nine hundred and four and avenge the Oval on that road, and they didn't, of course. <laughs> um. Then in that run chase, it was the 280-odd. It felt 
like England had a chance, but that the way that they decided to play, and they hadn't taken Australia out of the game. 330, 340, they could have done that, but they played in that usual aggressive way. So I don't think English fans ever really believed they were going to win that game until the last 25 minutes. And that was what was so unbelievably destroying for them. A headline. I think, I think you're looking. You're looking at a country in yeah. despair at the moment. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to say a headline writer's dream, though, nonetheless, wasn't it? What was the Star Sports offering? A real kick in the baz balls, <laughs> and many others. Yeah. And look, I, I don't think it is in the sense, in the sense that baz balls just going to keep going. Mm. That I reckon England might actually pick exactly the same team for the next game because that's the way that they operate. So. Uh, so has it done anything, though, to, so, dull, to dull the love for it, though? I mean, I know the public, the cricket public over there, they took some winning over in, in the uh, in the immediacy of Brendan McCullum coming in. And I imagine some are still struggling to give themselves completely over to Brendan McCullum's way. So what does a loss like that do for that sort of, um, you know, transition, oh, if you will? Well, for traditional cricket fans, and there are a few of them still exist. I mean, <laughs> England's cricket following has been hollowed out over the years by taking the cricket in behind a paywall don't forget so uh the people who really believe in traditional test cricket and have loved it and that's and they love jeffrey boycott they love john edrich they love the way england always used to play which was negatively tediously and in an attempt single-handedly to destroy the game of cricket they are outraged they're outraged by the declaration they're outraged by joe root attempting a reverse scoop off the first ball of the of the fourth day when England were two for 29 and uh, 28 even, I think, and, and in serious trouble. Uh, so traditionalists, I think, are, are having a go at Stokes. But because this is so much fun, the tangential people who got into cricket, the people who who didn't really know that cr- test cricket could be this much fun, are going, oh, well, sod it. Go hard. Go, go hard and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, they're the world champions. Australia are the world champions. So... Just keep on whacking at them as hard as you possibly can. And they could lose 5-0 and <laughs> try to do that, but it'll be great fun watching it. It will be great fun. Hey, I love the take, a finger spinner without a finger. And I know Brendan McCullum has backed in. Moen Alley, he backed in Johnny Bairstow as well. And we probably can't be surprised, can we, Daniel, that to bring a guy out of retirement and he's going to get a nasty blister on the finger. So three for 204, his figures for the test. A long series, obviously a weakness the Aussies will look to exploit. But you're back in, Moen, from here? No, absolutely not. No way. Poor thing. I mean, he bowled 24 overs in the entire IPL. And he bowled 29 overs on his first day back in Test Cricket. The first time he'd played Red Bull Cricket in two years. Yeah. It was a vibe pick. It was a great idea. And it might have worked. But it's actually quite similar to the way, and, and it's not a very fashionable thing for me to say, but Joe Root was criticised for bowling Jofra Archer into the ground in New Zealand. He bowled 42 overs, and subsequently to that, he's hardly played for England again. In causation, correlation, who knows? But Moe Nally is the same thing. Bring a guy out of one-day cricket, give him a hard Duke's ball and make him bowl 29 overs in one day. No wonder his finger's fallen off. Yeah. So I don't think he's. I don't think he will play. I think England will have to have a whole new bowling lineup. They'll have to decide whether to go with... Chris Wokes to come in as an all-rounder. Lords, he's got a very good record. Strong wicket to take record in England. Averages about 22. Or go in with Will Jackson. They used in Pakistan. Uh, 
and they used them on those horrible sort of flat low wickets that Australia struggled to force wins in and England won three nil in. But he's not a very good off spinner. He's he's a one day flat bowler. You know, he's a little bit like sort of a, an off spinning version of Matt Kuhneman. He's, he's not going to bowl us down. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they which way they go with that. So as this series moves to London then, Daniel, I mean, you mentioned the wicket earlier. What sort of wicket do you think is going to be prepared for the second test? I mean, it's going to be so intriguing. In England, it's very hard to, to uh, prepare wickets to order. It's not mm. in, in India, for example. In India, you can choose red clay or black clay, as you saw you know, when Australia played in India recently, heavily spinning pitches or flat pitches. Uh, Lords, you'll get sort of what you're given, especially because the MCC doesn't take any orders from anybody, which is quite annoying for English cricket. Because <laughs> what they'd really love is Green Seamer, where it works perfectly for Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, yeah, and yeah. Ollie Robinson. Um, what'll be all important at Lords is the overhead conditions. It really is the most capricious and weird ground. If the clouds come over, the ball will move. A little dart about it'll be tricky. If the sun is out. It'll be easy to bat. So it's it's a lot of this is about luck. You've got to be batting at the right time. And Andrew McDonald admitted England's aggression towards Scotty Boland had surprised them. I mean, they ran at him like a like a spinner at times, really. And his accuracy was almost his weakness, wasn't it? In the sense that it fed into the baseball method, if you like. Now they left Stark out because they thought the wicket lacked a bit of pace. But there was a hint of regret in Andrew McDonald yesterday when he spoke about Mitch potentially being able to play a role. So I think we're all looking at it that Mitch Stark possibly comes in and Scotty Boland goes out. At least that's the dots we're prepared to join at the moment, Daniel. Well, that, I think that would be the wrong way around because I think both sides actually selected the wrong team that Stark and Wood should both bowl at Edgebaston. I think they slightly misunderstood the pitch. Um, England needed somebody who could have that point of difference pace at the back end of the innings. Uh, especially with a softer old ball. And Australia needed that as well, actually. It's the first time that Broad and Anderson have each got to double figures in eight years. It's the first time that Jimmy Anderson got to double figures in six years. It was an incredibly flat pitch. Whereas at Lords, pace isn't usually the key determining factor. You've got the slope, you've got uh, wobble seam, you've got looking at jagback bowlers. People like Ollie Robinson, people like Scott Boland, are actually ideal for that. So um, I expect both sides, if they're doing the right thing, will put the same teams out, actually. They've got eight days off, so they've got a lot of time. And within this Ashes series, there are a lot of back-to-back test matches. This is a little chance to breathe for both teams. It'll be really interesting to see how, how it goes. Uh, Mitch was actually, Mitch Stark was at the, the women's uh, Ashes test today. Trent Bridge, uh, Daniel as well. So the Aussies, it's evenly poised, isn't it? So seven for 328. Elise yeah. Perry rolled for 99. McGrath, 61. Eccleston, three for 71. Or they three for 226 before they lost a few uh, quickies um, in the space of, I think, maybe 24 balls or so. So evenly poised there in the in the women's Ashes test. It's absolutely three. I'm doing the last three uh, days of that on commentary. So, Really looking forward to it. I thought Australia were going to rack up about 450, Just a little word of warning about Trembridge for Australia fans and indeed for fans. England last year were on the back of 560 against New Zealand. They chose to go as hard as they possibly could. They got to 530 and then they knocked off the runs on the last day. It's a pitch that's a road and it stays a road. It comes through quite nicely. So Australia need to be clever here. Four points in that. There's a chance that 
we could have like an even game after the first innings. I'd like to see Australia. If I'm Australian, I'd just like to see at least Parry. Yep. You get 165 not out of 215 balls and take the draw. And you've done well to join us this morning, uh, your, uh, our time, because you're in a, a state of mourning, to be honest, aren't you? Because Surrey, oh, yeah. just, Surrey just got rolled. Oh, God, I can't tell you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you talk about genuine emotion and... Uh, I, I, I'm a, I watched a lot of matches and I kind of just expect England ultimately to lose them. But Surrey matters to me more than I can tell you. They're like, well, I, I, what's the most important thing to you? Uh, probably family. <laughs> family, yeah. I've got no kids. Surrey are, are, are my kids. They're your family. Fair enough. Well, they just, they're, so... the, they're the best side in England. They're the best side in England by, by country mile. Middlesex have lost 11 out of 11. Yep. Middlesex are their bitter rivals. They're like <laughs> Glasgow Rangers to Glasgow Celtic. You know, they're like Arsenal to Tottenham. Yeah. They're absolutely rubbish. We scored 252. <laughs> I was crowing on Twitter. I was, you know, messaging every Middlesex fan I could find saying, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. And then Surrey managed somehow... It's the second highest run chase in the history of T20 cricket. How the hell did we do that? <laughs> I mean, Chris Jordan, Tom Curran, Sam Curran, Sunil Narine, but, uh, uh, Will Jacks, Laurie Evans, a team packed with T20 superstars, lost to a bunch of public school boys. Uh, public school means something different in this country. It means basically posh boys. Yep. Posh boys from north of the river who wear you know, morning suits to go and play cricket in and are all members of the MCC. We lost to them. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a dreadful state. So um, thank you for letting me release some of that. I, it, helps to, it, helps to talk, it helps to talk about it. Uh, that's in the T20. It really does, actually. T20 really Blaster course. They're amazing. They did it with four balls to spare. So next all Wednesday. All right. All right. No need to go on about it. <laughs> next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, though, Daniel, straightening up all matters national cricket here, uh, international cricket. Can't come around quick enough. Uh, the appetite for it. I mean, have you got a sense of the, the mm. scenes watching on television here were amazing at Edgebest and the crowd, the atmosphere. Are we going to get all of that and more, Daniel? Down at Lords, the home of cricket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the second oldest uh, Test ground in London after the Oval, but it is the home of cricket according mm. to their website. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yes, I think it's going to be the the anticipation is going to be at fever pitch because the great thing about that first Test, I think, for both sides was that they both realised they were in a fight. This is a real thing. Yeah, and great Test series of the past for English fans. Remember are 1981, they lost the first test at Trent Bridge. They came back to win the series. 2005, which English fans mythologise as the greatest series of all time. I personally prefer 1932-33, the Bodyline series, but that's another matter. <laughs> In 2005, England lost the first test match. It was at Lords. So um, there's this sort of sense that because England have gone toe-to-toe with the world champions, they actually, this could be an incredible series and no better place for it to ignite than at Lords. But just a little word of warning, if Australia win this game, and I, genuinely, I, I am in this to watch a great Ashes series. This is not about whether England win or Australia win. I want a great Ashes series that goes all the way to the wire. Um, if England lose at Lords, then we'll start to deflate a touch, won't mm. we? Mm. So even as an Australian, you can surely acknowledge that 
feel good of cricket. Australia need to lose this game, don't they? That is an enormous and a ridiculous statement from you, Daniel. Only <laughs> once can I, because you've been so entertaining, allow you to get away with that. Uh, we will take an absolute bloodbath. You know that, and we can't wait to watch it. It's so good because the contrast in styles makes it so compelling, doesn't it? Um, and I can't wait to watch it. certainly has captured the imagination over here, and it does boggle the mind to think, heaven forbid, we could have four more of these tests to come. It's just almost overwhelming in thought. Please. Um, Daniel, we're loving it over here. I meant that off the top. Uh, the coverage has been outstanding here on SEN uh, Cricket. So keep doing what you're doing and we'll we'll keep listening. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm loving having an Australian audience. Uh, you're wonderful people. And it's just great to the support that you guys give us. I know that you're listening through the night and it isn't the easiest thing to do because I have to do the same thing over here. So your texts, your messages, everything are massively appreciated. Keep them coming. Productivity well down. Daniel Norcross there over in the UK. We'll be back on the captain's run right after this.